power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen.
Oh, he can see. 
thank you for this gathering because it's unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. The word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in your midst. Holy Spirit, we ask that you shall take absolute control. As my power to speak your word, may I not speak of my own accord, and may I speak as you grant me utterance. By virtue of the fact that the blood monsters of the kingdom of God, I take authority in the realm of the spirit. I declare a supernatural injunction in the activity of the enemy in this place. We declare this place and the hearts and the minds of the people of God sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father this morning. Take glory, Father, take glory, Son, take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, and we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord. How many of you are happy to be in church today? We thank God for a beautiful Sunday morning like this. Amen. And how many of you are ready for the word? How many of you are ready for the word? All right. Today's word will be brief because we have other things we have to do today. Hallelujah. That is when I say I'll be brief. You, you believe me because, yeah, I do well. I do well. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. All right. So, this morning, before I, I, I start my sermon, I want to interview somebody. I'll pick somebody at random. Give, give me a microphone. <laughs> it's just a short, <laughs> a short cross-examination. Yes, some, some, something small. Yeah. Cross examination is, is, is the lawyers. Eh? They do that. I actually intend to do law before I die. I'll study law before I die. Mm, it's one of my secret ambitions to have a law degree. Not that I'll, I'll practice it, just for shaky reasons. <laughs> yeah. In fact, before the COVID, I almost enrolled in an LLB program. It was a comment that came in. So that's what they do in there. I'll do. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So, okay, Aquila, you look like you're in the spirit today. So let me. Oh, but uh, the, the questions I'm going to ask you, they are not very spiritual questions. Um, Andy, I gave you a certain equation. Please project the equation. Let me um, come to this. <laughs> equation, eh, baby? You beating him, eh? <laughs> so, um, Aquila, can you, can you identify this equation? Do you know what equation this is? I'm trying to introduce my sermon. No. Can you identify this equation? No, please. You don't know what it is. Okay, is there anybody here who knows what this equation is? You don't know this equation. All right. Okay, I'll, t- I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you what it is. It's called Bernoulli's equation. You are saying, ah, but you don't know what it is. Okay, should I let somebody rattle what the Bernoulli's principle is? <laughs> you, 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 you don't know what Bernoulli's principle. Let me read what Bernoulli's principle says. It says, Bernoulli's principle states that an increase in the speed of a fluid 
occurs simultaneously with a decrease in pressure or a decrease in the fluid's potential energy. Do you understand it at all? You don't understand. Akula, does it make sense to you? It doesn't really make sense to you. All right. But um, I believe you've, you've flown in a plane before. Okay. This is the equation that ensures that you don't fall from the sky. The plane doesn't fall from the sky. All right. That is what maintains a certain force of lift that keeps the plane in the air. So, my final question to you in my cross-examination, in spite of the fact that you didn't know this, and it doesn't even make sense to you, will you fly in a plane again? Yes. Yes, you will. Okay. Thank you very much. Please clap for him. I'm trying to introduce my sermon this morning. All right. So, the question didn't make sense. The title of my sermon, it will be very short, so I'll say maybe a sermonette. The title of my sermonette is When God Doesn't Make Sense. You see, there, there are a lot of times when God doesn't make sense. And when you read the Bible, there are a lot of occasions where you are like, ah, but this guy up there, he's supposed to be a very knowledgeable, very, very smart. He's supposed to be all-knowing. He's supposed to have everything figured out. But why on earth did he do this and that? Because to us, it seems like this is the obvious thing he should have done. You see, today my simple message to you is that there will be a lot of times in your life when God will not make sense. In fact, more often than not, I think he, he, he seems not to make sense more often. I mean, to us human beings, than he seems to, let's say, make sense. When you read the Bible, you see a lot of situations like that. You see, when you are dealing with somebody with superior knowledge and superior wisdom, there are times when the person will seem like, it will seem like, ah, what is this person saying? All because your understanding hasn't reached that level. I want us to read scripture in Isaiah chapter 55, 8 to 9. This sermonette is just supposed to help you to appreciate God better and, and, and relate to God better. Hallelujah. There are a lot of us who are angry with God. We are upset with God because we had it at the back of our minds how we expected God to react to certain situations and do certain things in certain situations. But this is what Isaiah is saying to us. And God is speaking through Isaiah. He says, for my thoughts, let's read it together, go. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Maybe you've heard the scripture many times, but today I want it to sink into your mind and sink into your spirit that his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. Hallelujah. So if we try to use our thoughts and our logic and how one plus one is supposed to be equal to two to anticipate what God will do and how God will react in certain situations, we are bound to get it wrong. Today, I want us to understand that God's ways are different from our ways and his thoughts are different from our thoughts. 
You see, he operates at a much superior level of wisdom than all of us. Now, for me, the epitome of God's wisdom is the complexity of the human body. If you take even just one cell in the human body, the kind of chemical reactions, I call every cell a chemical factory because so many things are happening in it. You take the red blood cell alone and the number of antigens you can find on top of it. You know, when it comes to blood groups, eh, a lot of people just know two blood group systems. That's the ABO system and then the RH system, what we used to call the RESUS system. We don't call it RESUS anymore. It's the RH system. All right. So you don't say RESUS positive and RESUS negative. It's RH negative and RH positive. All right. And even with the RH, we only know of the D. But under the RH system, we have the D. We have the big E. We have the small E. We have the small C. And we have the big C. The last time I checked, Apart from the ABO system and the RESUS or the RH system, in fact, altogether, there are 33 blood group systems. MNS, KEL, DAFI, all sorts of blood group systems that can be used in forensics and other things, paternity testing and all of those. On that single small, um, what do you call it, red blood cells, that is just about 8 micrometers in diameter. Look at the number of things on it. These uh, potassium pumps and all of those things that are in cells. Complex, just one cell. Look at how complex it is. And this superior being has been able to put about one trillion of them together into a human being. And all these chemical factories are working in sync to keep that human being alive. And you see, even the, the, the things that occur in one cell, we are still discovering them. It's taking years and years and years and years of research, and there is still a lot we haven't discovered. But he calls all of these things to be by just one word. The things that people have to research, break sweat, to find. Just you see, that, that, that's why somebody said discovery is it's like God just uncovering what he did. So you are discovering what God has covered, what he did and he has covered. God is, his, his, where his mind operates at is completely different from ours. So let's not even attempt to understand him because we can't understand him. It is impossible. The human being is so complex and so simple at the same time. You see, that, there are some very interesting things about the human body that I found out. You know, when you stretch your arms apart... From tip to tip, it's supposed to be approximately your height. So if you have a patient whose height you want to measure, or you want an approximate height, and the patient for some reason cannot stand, you just stretch the arms like that. From tip to tip, it's approximately your height. I went to a shoe shop, and some of us who wear the bigger sizes, a lot of times, you know, it, it depends on the shop. Your size 42 in one shop, will be size 40 somewhere else. We don't have standard things in Ghana here. <laughs> so one day I was in the shop and anytime I took the shoe, I mean, they, they say it's my size, all right, but 
to be sure it's, it's somewhere near my size. I'll just pick the shoe and then place it here. So in between my wrist and my elbow. And the one who was following me to guide me to shop was looking at me like, ah, this guy is incorrect, put your foot in. I was just doing a, a, a random, what do you call it, to eliminate the ones that I know. Because I know that the approximate size of everybody's foot is the distance between your wrist and your elbow. If you like, try it and see. If yours is not so, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> it's approximately your foot size. All right? So, I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to let you understand the wisdom of the personality we are dealing with here. Has somebody tried it? Was it approximately the same? Aha. Uh-huh. If it wasn't. <laughs> so we are, we are dealing with a being that is superior in his thinking and his understanding. And don't try to understand God. Don't try. Because you won't be able to understand God. It is impossible for you to understand God fully. You may understand him to an extent. But understanding him fully is impossible. It's impossible. And when you read the Bible, you see a lot of situations where it's like, ah, this man who is supposed to be so knowledgeable and so wise, why did he act this way at this particular point in time? Even in our human existence, when it comes to a particular subject, those who know more than us, there are times when they are talking, it seems like they are not making sense. I'll give you a story. There was a day we were on ward rounds, hematology, several years ago. And there was this patient, the patient had sickle cell disease, a young girl, about 20 years old. She had sickle cell disease. And her platelet count was very low, which, I mean, was a little unusual. And she couldn't swallow. And when we examined her throat, we saw these lesions that looked like bleeding spots, maybe pepper or something. So we, the younger ones, were like, oh, because of the low playlist, it's pepper. But she just couldn't swallow. And during the ward rounds, good old Professor Akwe, with his glasses on his nose, he just went to the patient. He said, young lady, open your mouth. Can I have a light source? Looked into the mouth. He said, this is Kasabak Merit Syndrome. We looked into each other's faces. That looks like pepper. We are the younger ones. We know how to use the internet. He said, it's Kasabak Merit Syndrome. So he said, okay, so Prof, what do we do? If you say it's Kasabak Merit Syndrome. I mean, of course, quickly, we all picked our phones and Google Kasabak Merit Syndrome to check on it. He said, it's a... Completely consuming hemangioma, something, something, something. So what do we do? Give her two milligrams of vincristin. Let's see what happens. And he just left us. Professor says, so we do. Not that we believe what he has said. Because with, with our young eyes, that's pepper. We gave the one shot of vincristin. The next day we came to the... This girl who couldn't swallow at all was eating banku. She was swallowing big balls of banku. So the lesson was that he was operating at a higher level of knowledge and wisdom than us. 
what we thought didn't make sense was actually higher level sense about six years later there was a day I was the senior most person on the ward <laughs> and we got a call from surgical about a case a young lady low platelets could not swallow <laughs> and I got there I said young lady open your mouth can I have a light sauce then the scripture arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord hey I looked into the mouth said this is Kasabak Merit Syndrome Everybody said you got him. We're looking at each other's face. What do we do? Two milligrams of vincristine. Let's see what happens. And the rest is history. You know, I'm trying to tell you that. You see, God is like that, Professor. Operating at a completely higher level of experience and knowledge. Sometimes we think we figured it out. That's what this one, this is how it's supposed to be. There was a time I was thinking, ah, if the Bible says God desires that all men be saved, that's what the Bible says, that that is his desire. If God wants all men to be saved, there's, he can do something and tomorrow everybody will be saved. Me, I'll suggest to him that he should just appear <laughs> in the sky. He should just, we just need a, a two minute broadcast to the whole world from him. You just see Jesus' face in the sky. And he doesn't have, even have to speak for long. All he has to say is, follow me. <laughs> All the people in the Far East will give up Buddha and come and follow Jesus Christ. The Middle East, everybody. But why is he not doing that? So, for us, wisdom is that if you want all men to be saved, then do what you have to do for men to be saved. But you see, there are principles and things involved in these things that we don't understand. I understood the limitations of God when it comes to the earth when I read Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let's see what Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says. There are two key phrases in that portion of scripture. It says, then God said, let us make man. Say let us. So take note of let us. Let us means he's included, right? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then let them, say let them, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Two key phrases here. Let us, includes God. Let them. He voluntarily left himself out of that and gave it to man. That is why anything God will do on this earth, he will do through human beings. If he wants to win the world... It will have to be through human beings who will go into the nooks and crannies to go and witness to people. He needs bodies. That is why when Christ left and the Holy Spirit came, it was what we call the body of Christ. So he needs our legs. He needs our hands. The hands to help the poor. The legs to walk into the corners of the earth to preach the gospel. So if you look at it, 
just on the broad side of things, ah, God can do this. But there are principles, there are spiritual principles involved. He, he literally voluntarily took himself out. Hallelujah. Said, so let them, the earth, it's for us. And you see, that is why we human beings, aside being spiritual, we must also be pragmatic. I've told you severally that you can't pray seven hours a day and do nothing and expect God to prosper you and give you money. The money is not going to come from anywhere. Hallelujah. God can do everything. The truth is that God can let money appear in your bank account. It's possible. But even if you do it, it will be a rare thing that he will do. If God is going to bless you with money, it will be money that is already in the system. You have to place yourself one way or the other, start some business, do some work or something to access that money. Because the rate at which Ghanaians pray for money, if God were to give everybody miracle money that just came from somewhere, the inflation we are suffering now, it will be triple and quadruple. There was a time, I mean, when I didn't understand economic principles, I was like, ah, the government, why is the government always crying over money? You want to build roads. Why do you go and borrow money? Print it. Just print it. But you see, that was my limited knowledge. That was my limited understanding. Because every note you print, you are increasing your inflation rate. And right now, the inflation, they say, is 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 30% or something. That's why one, um, what do you call it? The one later cook, it used to be 11 CDs. Now it's 18. Ask me how I know. It's my besetting sin. <laughs> That's how come I know. <laughs> I know the price. <laughs> There's a certain show. The moment they see my face, they know what I'm coming to buy. Like, I, I don't have to say anything. They just pack the cook and give to me like that. <laughs> So there's something called superior knowledge, superior wisdom. And that is the level at which God operates. So you might, you might look at a certain situation and say, ah, I said this one, I mean, why did God do this? And many of us have many questions for God. I have my questions for God. Many, many questions. When I get to heaven, I will book a one-on-one appointment with God. I'm going to ask him a lot of very hard questions. In the first place, Lucifer misbehaved in heaven. You threw him out. You knew how dangerous this character could be. There are many planets. There's Mercury. There's Venus. There's Mars. There's Jupiter. All those funny places. You could have taken him to one of them. You created them. And in fact, a lot of them are even bigger than the earth. But you chose to bring him onto the earth. And when you decided to create human beings, you didn't take us to Jupiter. You didn't take us to Mercury. You brought us where this dangerous character that you yourself don't want. (laughs) To live with us. To torment us. And to make life hard for us. It doesn't make sense. When God doesn't make sense. When I read my Bible, I see a lot of situations where it's like, ah, God, how? Look at a young girl like Mary walking here somewhere, as you will see. A cousin called Elizabeth, who the Bible said was barren, had been praying for a child for several years. 
the one looking for a child was praying and the thing was not happening the young girl working somewhere minding her own business getting ready to get married you look among all the people and you choose her that you you are going to get pregnant how <laughs> i'm sure elizabeth and zacharias her husband had been praying for years for a child that was why the day the angel came to Zacharias and said, you have a child. He said, God has answered your prayer. I'm sure he asked the angel, he said, when did God hear this prayer that he is now answering? Is it 50 years? Is it 40 years? Like, tell me something. Angel said, you are talking too much. You don't have a right to question God. He just shut his mouth like that. But you see, we human beings, we can only see the little details. But God sits on his throne and he sees the big picture. He sees connections we don't see. He sees synergies that we don't see. He sees associations that we don't see. God works mathematics and he has very complex algorithms that must be fulfilled for certain things to happen. I believe the reason... Elizabeth's pregnancy had to delay was that what or whoever she was going to give birth to had to be born close to the time Jesus Christ was born because his purpose was to introduce Jesus to the world. Some people say, oh, he could have been born earlier and still introduce Jesus. Look at John the Baptist and his character. The way he could talk. Do you think he would have been alive by the time Jesus was born? This guy was just rough. Just you say anything he sees. His head would have been taken away a long time before. So God was working his own mathematics. Today, I, I want to charge you to allow God to work his thing. The equations are too complex for you to understand. Just allow him to work his thing. Sometimes your marriage will delay because there's a certain purpose for one of your children and some somebody must meet somewhere he, he, your child has to marry somebody and maybe the parents haven't met yet and things like that it's like the, 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 the equations are so complex we sit and just look at the fine details and we think we figured it all out we think we figured it all out but the god we are dealing with is not just experienced like how my professor was experienced. They, they call him the ancient of days. They call him the rock of ages. He said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the person we are dealing with. Tell somebody, allow God to work his maths. Allow him to work his maths. Sometimes we are impatient. We, we, we have our own watches that we are operating by. Everybody who has a watch, if you check your time right now, I'm sure we'll have different quotations. Mine says what? 1020. Some somebody's going to be 1022. Somebody's going to be 1019. The very serious ones will be 1040. They are ahead of time and they are thinking ahead of time. <laughs> but you see, we all have different times on our watches. God also has a watch. And his watch also has a time. 
But what you have to understand is that God's time is the best of them all. His time is the perfect time. When you read the Bible, look at Jacob. Jacob loved Rachel. He went and worked seven years for Rachel. And he was calmed by his father-in-law. I believe he was reaping what he had sowed. The Bible says, be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatever a man shall sow, he shall reap. He thought he was the master of disguise. When he disguised himself and went and collected the blessing. You see, what you sow, you will reap. He thought it was 419. But the father-in-law showed him he was 519. He was operating at a higher level. <laughs> he sowed disguise, he reaped disguise. And so he had to work another seven years. 14 years for one woman. And the interesting thing is that the one for whom he had a heart, the one he loved, was not giving birth to children. Meanwhile, this other one, as they say, the moment she sneezes, she gets pregnant. It's like she was just producing the children like that. Ah, why? God, 14 years of labor for this one, and she's not getting pregnant. Look at Hannah. Hannah was a very godly woman. Her rival, I don't think she was. How do I know? The little description we had of her. If you can turn to your rival just because you have children and she doesn't, then you don't have a good heart. You see, childbirth is one thing nobody should be taunted with. Shouldn't taunt anybody with childbirth. I don't even like it when people get married and people say, hey, aren't you having children? That kind of talk should be banned. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, you think if they get their children, they don't like Hey, what are you waiting for? Is it because of your figure and things? Don't say such things. Hallelujah. You don't know what their plans are. You don't know what they are. You don't know what people are doing. Just don't ask such questions. Sometimes you think you are being nice. But you are being a nuisance by asking such questions. Leave the people to live their lives. Hallelujah. Yes. Hannah, the good, the good one, the prayerful one. She rather wasn't having children. She wasn't having children. Naaman, a big man in the Syrian army. And you see, Naaman was somebody God used. I'm sure you look at me. Hey, God used Naaman. Eh. Let me show you a certain scripture. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. That means God knew Naaman. But it's as if when he came to his king coronation, he didn't know him. He said, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. By him. When you're reading the Bible, read this fine details. By him. That means God used him to give victory to Syria. That means God knew Naaman. God, so you are using him. But he's sick and he's not getting a solution to his problem. Look at Samuel. Samuel was probably the best prophet Israel had. Flawless. Almost flawless. Because there was a ceremony he was late for. <laughs> and that was what cost Saul his kingdom. If the prophet hadn't been late, that wouldn't have happened. So it's almost flawless. 
But we are told about his children. His children didn't take after him. This was a man of integrity. The Bible said he could stand and say, if I have defrauded anybody, blah, blah, blah. But his children couldn't take after him. So there are times people are good Christians, but their children, they look funny. They don't look like their parents. They don't behave like their parents. And it's a bother. I know parents who even hide their children. It's like they don't, they don't even want people to associate the, the, them with those children because of the things that they do. You ask God, why? God, why? In a hospital, we see a lot of situations where we are like, look, God, this is an opportunity for you to glorify yourself. I mean, you said that before. I've said that so many times. I, God, this is a very good opportunity. A very good opportunity. But you see, we are just looking at the small details. He is looking at the big picture. There was a day I had this patient. He had one of the acute leukemias. A young, a young boy. About 23 years old. And he was a Muslim who had been converted to Christianity by his younger brother. A very spiritual young boy. About two years younger than him. And just when he converted, he was diagnosed with ALL. So this younger brother was visiting him constantly, praying with him, praying with him, praying with him. And then his situation got bad. And unfortunately, he passed away. So I was there and the nurses called me that there's a situation on the ward. They need me to come and solve it. What's the situation? The young boy said he wouldn't allow them to perform the last offices and take him to the mortuary because he believes he can pray for him to come back to life. So he said, no, come and stop him. I said, I'm not coming to stop him. You, I'm coming, but you give him the chance. Let's give him the chance. Ah, Jesus has raised the dead before. He says, in my name, give him the chance. Allow him, just let him do what he would want to do. Let him, like, let him be satisfied that he's tried what he could. That is his faith, just allow him. So when I got there, they thought I was going to pull him out of the side water, so allow him to do what he wants to do. So I realized he had put on his phone, he had some prayer group. So I could hear wild prayers coming out of there. So they were praying, and he had put the phone close to the ears of the dead brother. They were praying. And I said, I would talk. I said, leave him alone. It went on for about 45 minutes. So I knocked the door. I entered. The gentleman was like, don't disturb me. Don't disturb me. I said, all right. <laughs> you know, I was like, God, this is a good opportunity for you. I mean, I said, it set nicely. Just let this boy get up. They're praying, 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 praying. I went in again. I asked him, do you want to stop now? He said, no, you don't have faith. You don't have faith. You don't have faith. So I told him, I said, I have a lot of faith. In fact, I'm a preacher. But I've learned to understand that one of the highest displays of faith is trust. When you trust God, that in spite of the good, the bad, the ugly, he has your best interest at heart. The boy just broke down. I took him out of the room and I signaled the nurses to go to do what they want to do. You see, trust is a high form of faith. 
It's like, just like how you will sit in the plane, not even understanding the equation. You don't know the pilot. You don't know what problems he's had at home. You don't know his mental state. I saw a video on Facebook yesterday where somebody just drove to a, a, what do you call, a filling station, got out of the car nicely, and just pulled the, the hose or whatever and started spraying the petrol on everybody and every car. There are people walking around and they look okay, but they are not okay. You don't know the pilot from anywhere. You don't know what he's gone through. But you have put your life in his hands. And he tells you, we are flying at 30,000 feet above sea level. At that level, if you fall, there is only one possibility. You see, when you're a new flyer, initially, especially when the plane takes off and things are not stable like that, there was a time I was sitting in the plane. When the thing did one of the dips like that, there was somebody who said, Jesus! You could see that Jesus came out of what she was feeling inside. Jesus! This one. But you see, after you've done it once, twice, three times, you know that that thing, when it got, it's nothing, it will stabilize at a point in time. The kind of trust and the kind of faith you have in people like pilots, can we translate that into trusting God? Just believing that he holds us. He has our best interest at heart. Look at what Job went through. He went through a lot of interesting things, but he still made a statement. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Don't expect everything to be rosy in your life. If somebody comes to preach to you and tells you that once you come to Christ, everything is fine, everything is okay, it is a lie from the pit of hell. When we preach these kinds of messages, we don't prepare people for the storms of life. The evidence that you are a child of God is not the absence of troubles. The evidence that you are a child of God is the fact that when the troubles come, you are unmovable, you are unshakable. It doesn't change you. You are still a worshiper. You still praise God. You still worship God. You still come to church. You still do the work of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, we'll throw you into the fire. He said, we know that our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But even if he doesn't deliver us from the fire, we will not bow to you. May God bring you to the place of having the even a faith. That even if what I prayed for happens, even if it doesn't happen, I will still believe in God. I will still trust in God. Too many of us are offended with God simply because we think we have it all figured out. God doesn't make sense. But what I want you to take with you home today is that any time it seems to you like God is not making sense, just take it that he's operating at a higher level of wisdom that you can't understand. And the truth is that that is the case. We have our own time, which is called chronos. That's where the word chronology comes from. Actually, the scientific name for the word is chronometer. Somebody asked, do you have a chronometer? You have a watch. That's the kind of time. But you see, in the Bible, when the word time is used, in the original Greek, there are two words. It's either chronos or kairos. Chronos is just time in its 
instant. It is 10.45. But Kairos takes into consideration the past, the present, and the future. The purpose of God, the will of God, destiny, and everything put together. That is Kairos. And God's watch reads Kairos. It doesn't read Kronos. So don't use your Kronos watch, the Rolex, Kronos watch that you are wearing to try to understand God and to dictate the timings of God. There are things that look like delays, but it's divine calculation. It is an algorithm that must fulfill certain things before certain things must happen. Just be patient with God. Sometimes when we pray, we expect immediate answers. It's like God trying to cook for you. All foods don't cook at the same time. If you put rice on fire, within 20, 30 minutes, you should have your rice. Yum, same. But if you want to cook beans, and you want to apply the same timing for (laughs) rice and yam as beans, you are going to choose some very, very hard gravels. What God is preparing for somebody may be rice. What is preparing for somebody may be yam, but yours may be beans. And even after the cooking of the beans, some ripe plantain will have to be cut and fried. So be patient. Hallelujah. Be patient. Allow what God is preparing for you to cook well so that you can enjoy the meal. My prayer for all of us is that we will not try to understand God. God didn't call us to understand him. He called us to trust and obey. That is why I like that children's service song. He said, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord. When we walk with the Lord in the Oh, oh, oh.
together for the good of them that love the Lord. Nothing goes against us. Everything is to our advantage. We are the triumphant church of God. No matter the hardship, no matter the situation. Some trust in horses, others trust in chariots. But we shall trust in the name of the Lord.
word will be cemented deep down in our spirits. Grant us the grace to be doers of this word and not listeners only. Give us assurance in our spirit that through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy, you are by our side. He said, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so shall you surround us. He said, no weapon that is fashioned against us shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up in judgment against us, we shall condemn. We are victorious in you by virtue of the finished work of the cross. It doesn't matter what the fine details say. We accept the fact that there is a big picture. And the big picture is that all things work together for our good. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed.